Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Be puff these days when I uh, fetch out the sweet pea trench. I've always thought that uh, when I can't dig my veg plot, I'd retire. And uh, I'm a bit late, months late, digging the sweet pea trench. Take out one full spade, steps the soil, and then dig manure into the second spit before putting soil back so that uh, when I sow sweet peas in the autumn, they can root deep down and get into that uh, well-rotted manure that's dug into the second spit if the weather turns really hot in June. It's a lovely day too. I stand here looking up at the uh, blue sky with puffy white clouds and a lovely stem of eggrant russet apples. I must get those picked today. They're really gleaming gold, standing upright, exposed to the sunlight. But they need to be picked now. Yes, as does red falstaff. That's turning beautiful. There is no better group of plants for flower power Our thanks to this week's sponsor, Bonningale Nurseries of Wolverhampton. Hello and welcome to This Week in the Garden. I'm Peter Seabrook, here to exchange some news, views, a bit of seasonal advice and uh, hopefully answer some of your quandaries uh, along the way. This week, the last chance for weekday evening jobs in the garden, with the clocks changing on Saturday and dark evenings back. A virus going the rounds at uh, Hyde Hall sucked the wind from my sails last week and it took several days in the warm to uh, muster some sort of recovery. It meant the weekend was uh, a pretty steady affair. Uh, I did manage to uh, gird enough energy to get uh, some more manure delivered to uh, Floral Fantasia so that uh, Molly can complete the sweet pea site preparation. The deep cellular pack sown sweet peas are coming through pretty well in a frost-free glass house and I hope some of them will be established enough to be planted late November. When I have one of those uh, gentle, slow-paced weekends, there's a fair bit of finger gardening going on, uh, just cleaning the dead flower heads from uh, three seven-and-a-half-litre pots of rose sapita, for example. Goodness, that growth is compact with very dark red flowers. 
and it does have the most attractive foliage, almost bronze, really shines back, and a very uh, compact, upright habit. Uh, There's enough, I think, for me to plant a six-foot-long low hedge, which uh, I'll try and get done in the next week or two. It looks to be a, a very good box hedge replacement. So as well as that little bit of a deadheading, there were some uh, herbaceous and woody perennials repotted and lifted a few self-sown pansy seedlings to pot into cell trays. Once established, they can be popped across the road to sell on the charity table, raising funds for the Marie Curie a charity. I did lift the large environmental-clad frames up on their sides to clean dead leaves and tidy the ground on the Brussels sprouts. I did a quick check too for Brassica aphid and there was a little on one of the tips and a timely spray should hold those pretty clean for the rest of the autumn and winter. That environmental did a really good job and I want to make a few more wooden frames. I think if I make some low square ones I can put those over sweet peas when we plant them out later this autumn. What's new? Well, I read of a new tomato, which is the first blight-resistant orange-fruited kind coming from Burpee, Europe, and to be called Marigold. (laughs) Those uh, names are absolutely critical And I think I could remember Marigold as light-resistant tomato and must give that a try next season and see how I get on with it. The Ball Colgrave Company in West Adderbury put on a fantastic trial every summer and they ask their visitors, close on a thousand this year, to put a blue flag alongside the plant that each one of them prefers from... I understand close on a thousand new and recent plant introductions. They've been busy counting up the votes and uh, have announced the top 10 as far as the summer flowering annuals are concerned. Number one was Calibracoa, Goodnight Kiss. There's another good name. I can see that being remembered. It has a a dark plum colour with a yellow line. Very eye-catching flower. Number two was Zinnia Zesty Mixed. I certainly remember that from the trials. It was a a really outstanding mixture and just about tall enough for cutting Zinnia Zesty Mixed. And then there were two that tied third, Begonia Nonstop Joy Orange and Impatience Beacon Salsa Mixed. Now, those Begonia non-stop joys are really outstanding. Bred by Benari in Germany, I think. Uh, and the flower size and the quantity of flowers was outstanding. I was uh, interested to hear, too, that Dragonfly, the supplier of biological pest control, has been taken over by Coppert. Dragonfly's founder, Julian Ives, is to stay on and believes that the acquisition is a fantastic development for gardeners. Julian was a great help to us with the biological control of cabbage white butterfly larvae and black fly on the nasturtium trial three summers ago. 
The interesting thing is that that nasturtium trial sort of self-seeded everywhere. And so for two more summers since, in 2020 and 2021, there were lots of uh, nasturtiums growing in floral fantasia, but we didn't have a problem with either cabbage white butterfly or black fly. So whether that just uh, built up the biological control and they stayed in good numbers, I don't know. But it certainly did a good job for us. Now in the questions and uh, comments from the week, I hear from uh, Colin Williams of Morriston in Swansea, thanking me for giving advice on stem and bud earworm damage on chrysanthemums in amateur gardening recently. A sure sign of uh, this attack is leaves on healthy plants dying upwards uh, prematurely from the ground. This tiny pest can be eradicated by taking tip cuttings, growing them on really fast in heat, and then taking some more and growing quick and rooting, growing quick and rooting, leaves the earworm pest behind. Strict hygiene is then needed to prevent reinfection, so you need to make sure that they don't go into a soil where there's some old bits of chrysanthemum from the previous infected crop. Other plants can also be attacked, for example, uh, things from Buddleia to Zinnia. If you have a question or a comment, uh, write to us at uh, thisweekinthegarden at gmail.com. Our guest today is a real friend, somebody that um, I've worked with since the late 1950s, and I think it would be fair to say that we sort of learnt together how to uh, put a book together with me growing things and writing about them and Michael taking magnificent photographs because our guest is Mr Michael Warren who is one of uh, Britain's leading garden photographers. Now, Michael, how are things in sunny Ipswich? Well, there's new rain and I've been gardening this morning and uh, getting the weeds out which are growing very well. (laughs) Ideal gardening weather. Now, Michael, when you and I met... I was a very young gardener and a completely inexperienced author. And we both started writing for the same publisher. That would be fair to say, wouldn't it? That is fair, yes. How it came about for me was that I'd I'd been to Brescombe Gardens with the family and taken some pictures of Alan Bloom's steam engines. And I thought, he sees a lot of people with cameras taking pictures. I wonder if they ever send him any. So I sent him uh, some whole plate enlargement, six and a half by eight and a half is that old size. And I had a very nice letter back from him saying that he was going to do a book on the steam engines and he didn't think he could do better than come to me for the photos. And before we got cracking on that, he'd found a book in Holland, which had been published by a French publisher, with perennials and a lot of other things in it. And they'd had a meeting and he'd like to do do it just all perennials. And they said, can you find a photographer to take the missing pictures? And he asked me, did I take pictures of flowers? Well, it was just up my street. So <laughs> that's how it got started. So the first book was Perennials for Your Garden. 
And then I think you came on the scene, didn't you? Uh, I think Shrubs for the Garden was next. But, but, Michael, we've jumped quite a bit because your training as a young man was in as, as an engineer, wasn't it? Well, I, I can even go back before that. I, my initial interest in gardening was was living next door to my grandfather during the latter part of the war, well, during the war, and uh, helping him in the garden. And I think so many people, uh, it sows, sows the seeds of interest at an early age when you're about four or five, planting potatoes, runner beans and such like. Everybody grew all their own stuff. There, there were no garden centres or shops. Uh, and we lived in a quiet little village where they'd just built an airfield at the bottom of our garden for the war. Uh, so <laughs> I was very young and didn't uh, get much interest in war. That was, you know, apart from being pushed under the table in a bath when the <laughs> air raid woman went or going down the air raid shelter and seeing a slideshow. And, I mean, they were glass slides, and I think it was paraffin-powered projector because we had no electricity, no mains water, no sewage, nothing. It was a, a real country thatched cottage uh, location. And one of my earliest plants, I remember, was the giant bindweed that came up through the brick floor of the, the <laughs> little house we lived in. And Mother used to train it up over the curtains, <laughs> indoor plant, you know. <laughs> uh, so that's where I got my interest in gardening. And uh, I'm lucky, really, to be here in actual fact, because... Uh, my father had been called up into the army again uh, to fight for king and country. And he, he came home on leave one on one occasion and decided that we would all get out to Felixstowe. Well, that's about 25 miles uh, on bicycles. And he tied a cushion on the crossbar of his bike and sat me on it. And we went down to the airdrome and the man at the gate said it was, yeah, it was all quiet at the moment. We could go across the airdrome. Uh, but of course, as we got down the runway, uh, uh, some aircraft started taxiing past. Uh, Lightning P-38s, I think they were, and uh, they zigzagged a bit. And one struck Dad on the head, and we went flying onto the grass off the runway. Uh, so we didn't actually get to Felixstowe. He ended up in the base hospital with concussion, and uh, that was the end of our trip. So I'm lucky to be here, really. <laughs> Could have been What an worse. amazing story, Michael. What? That was my nearest yeah. I came to aircraft during the war. A bit but, too uh, near, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes, but after the war, when Dad was demobbed, he uh, took a job as a gardener at a big house at Cobdock, which is just south of Ipswich, and we had a big garden there. And, uh, and later on, when I met Lois my, to be my wife, uh, her father had got a market garden, which you may recall coming to many years ago in the... 70s, I, I think, yes. And uh, then, and I was in engineering. I, I left school. We, we, the school, village school had nothing but natural history and gardening. And then we all failed the 11 plus and went to the secondary modern school. And, and there we had gardening and uh, woodwork and art. And uh, when we left at 15, the art masters said that art should prove very remunerative. <laughs> I wish I'd have known what it meant then, but uh, uh, gardening and art was my best subject. And uh, so the careers advisor guided me into heavy engineering. 
Sounds logical, doesn't it? <laughs> they're hopeless. Michael, they're hopeless. Don't you think careers advisors? <laughs> but, so I did an apprenticeship with a company called Ransoms and Rapiers that made excavators, walking drag lines and such like. And I ended up as a work-study engineer. And then I got made redundant. It was short of work. Uh, there were about 1,600 employees there. And then I went to Ransom's, where I think there were about three and a half thousand employees. And I went there as a time study engineer and ended up on a drawing board as a chicken tool designer. But during that time, my wife, Lois, bought me a, a decent camera. And it took off as a hobby. And by the time I uh, started off in 1968, I was doing about 50 weddings a year and uh, portraits and various things and then of course Alan Bloom came on the scene and the horticultural work started so by 1976 I was doing nothing but horticultural work. But Mike before we get into the serious gardening books thing you must have one or two experiences at weddings what on earth is it like to be a photographer at a wedding? Everybody under stress, what? It's probably one of the most risky things to do. I always used two cameras and duplicated the, the pictures on one and on the other because we had to go home and uh, back to the dark room and develop the films. They were black and white days and then gradually colour crept in. And uh, I mean, they take thousands now, but I used to take three rolls of film with 12 pictures on a roll. So that's 36 exposures, and I guaranteed them 30 proofs. Goodness. Now you get about three and a half thousand, and, and you can't find 30 decent ones amongst them very often, <laughs> can you? <laughs> Steady now. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, yes, yeah, so it, it's very risky and very worrying and, and stressful. I was quite pleased to phase out the weddings and, and concentrate on the horticultural work. And uh, uh, you may recall that we did a whole series of books. You did Shrubs for Your Garden, and Adrian Blue did Conifers for Your Garden, and Roy Langs did Trees for Your Garden. And during that time, the publisher in Paris, he asked me, uh, would I mind going down to the south of France to take some pictures? Would I mind? Well, I've been as far as Torquay for a holiday, so I thought South of France was a bit further, you know. Well, yeah, yes, I'll go. And he rented a villa, him and his family rented a villa for three weeks. And I could either stay in a hotel or be a house guest. So I said I'd be a house guest. And so I set off in my Vauxhall Victor. There's a jolly long journey down to the can. And uh, it sorted the car out, I can tell you. It was making a terrible row by the time I got there. <laughs> so it had to go in the garage for a new exhaust system. And, and so I was chauffeur-driven to the gardens the rest of the three weeks while I was there by his wife, Elder. And it was going to be written by the Vicomte Noy, who lived down in Grasse. And we went to his wonderful garden, and he introduced us to his friend's gardens. And it was all very formal. He would phone them up, and then... I had to take a letter of introduction. So when we got there, they read the letter and made sure it was me and such like. And I had these wonderful gardens to photograph. I mean, it was idyllic. The weather was beautiful. And, of course, in those days, I was shooting on five by four, five inch by four inch plate cameras. And I don't, I don't know if you recall those. The, you had a holder with two sheets of film in. At night, you'd got to change, take these exposed sheets of film out 
and put new raw ones in and used to get in the wardrobe and block all the gaps up to stop the light getting in while I unloaded them and packed them away in light-proof boxes. So it was quite a game, quite a game. Goodness, I think it was, yeah. But I I did fall in love with Mediterranean plants and gardens. That's still my favourite area. really is lovely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When you talk about those big plate cameras, how things have changed, Michael? Absolutely. I just take the camera and a little little tiny rucksack and I've got all I need to, to take the pictures. But in those days, well, you know, you needed a suitcase to hold the things in and trolley to carry it on. Weight was tremendous and I lugged it up mountains in Switzerland to take pictures of alpines, I recall. Now we could just whiz up there with a little camera and take just as good pictures, I think, really. Well, Michael, whenever I visit a garden, you know, there are people sort of snapping away in every direction. Can you give us a few tips? I often wonder, because they don't make any note of the name of a plant when they take it. I think they must have a much better memory than me when they get home and and remember what it is. But uh, (laughs) uh, I've I've got notebooks going back over decades with all the the pictures I've taken. I write the number of the exposure down and the name of the plant, and it's all left to refer to when I get back. But... uh, uh, and also, uh, people will sort of stand up and take a picture. And when it's a plant only about two inches high, you really need to get down on the ground and take it at its own level. Uh, a bit like uh, taking children's photos, really. Don't look down on them. Don't look down on the plant, but uh, uh, take it at its own level and watch the background. That's the thing. People forget about the background. You see lovely pictures with a, a, a line of washing in the background. That, that's a real cool <laughs> for that one. But, you know, uh, just need, need to pick the angle so you avoid some bright light or spot or label or something that, that spoils a picture, really. Yes. Most people don't take much care in 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 composing the picture and getting it in the frame. And I'm afraid I had a lot of practice with that with transparencies because once you press the button, there's nothing else you can do. So I was always very careful in composing the picture because the finished article was the minute you pressed the button. Uh, so I still have that same practice. So uh, I don't take dozens of any particular plant. I just take one of each as I always did. So careful composition. I seem to remember when you and I were working together of you diligently removing stones. Yes. Well, because it's a lot easier now with digital photography because with Photoshop you can you can uh, delete those. Uh, but nice little white stones, they do show up rather on dark soil and, and spoil the picture sometimes. And dead leaves and tidying up a little bit. Uh, they're appropriate in the autumn and round bulbs and stuff like that. But but generally, they need to take out blemishes and things. And I did all sorts of tricks like uh, sticking another leaf underneath a hole so it, it it was the same colour, uh, and but now with with the wonders of digital photography, you can repair the leaf and and make everything perfect or near perfect. It's changed a lot. Changed a lot. Now, Mike, you're a great enthusiast for clematis. I mean, that did that come from working on the clematis book with Ray, Raymond? Yes, I did illustrate his first book up at Treasures of Tenbury Wells, uh, making the most of clematis, 
And because Raymond was starting the International Clematis Society off then, and I joined, and I also joined later on, there was the British Clematis Society. Uh, they are probably my favourite flower, although I love them all, I, you know, and I, I feel very privileged to have worked with all you authors because when I was doing perennials, I thought they were the best plant to plant and planted those. And then it was uh, shrubs with you and conifers. And so my garden's got a little bit of everything in it. And uh, I, I love them all. Um, I, I'm a plantaholic, I think you could say. And uh, I just can't stop photographing them. I, I looked at my camera before I started talking to you. I upgraded it in June. And I see I've taken three and a half thousand pictures since then. So I, I'm still working away at it. It's uh, not many months, is it, to take that many pictures. And if you had to pick uh, two or three gardens in Europe, where would they be then, Michael? Well, of course, if you want colour and bulbs, the Kuchenhof is, is, comes to mind immediately. Uh, I feel I, I need to go to that about every five years to get an injection of colour. <laughs> and you know, and next year is going to be a good year in the Netherlands because uh, they've got a floriard on, which only happens every uh, ten years. And I've been to every one since 1972. Um, the last one at Venlo, I felt, was more like a, a theme park than a, a garden festival. But this one near Amsterdam does appear to have more plants in it, so uh, I hope to be off to that next year. Uh, other gardens well the chateau gardens down in the loire valley in france i i took a party down the loire valley and villandry the one where they do the bedding with vegetables the colors of vegetable leaves and uh, that is that is fantastic that is a lovely garden mike thank you very much for sparing us time and sharing some of those experiences and I have the strong vision of, of your dad being knocked off his bike by a low-flying aircraft. My <laughs> goodness, that's a story and a half. <laughs> it was a near one for me as well, sitting on the crossbar, but <laughs> we survived it. <laughs> Thank you, Peter. Thank you. The thought for the day, I heard from an environmentalist who said we should all be trying to reduce the amount of uh, carbon dioxide released into the atmosphere. And the first and most uh, dramatic and effective step is to reduce consumption. There are too many of us and we all have too much and we need to consume less of the world's finite resources. A tough call, but there it is. What am I doing? turning down the thermostat and putting on more layers of clothes. Those of us who've worked under heated glass know all too well that if you raise the temperature by five degrees, you double the cost and the fossil fuel burnt. Our thanks to this week's sponsor, Bonningale Nurseries of Wolverhampton. To my producer, Rich Jarman, and of course to you for listening. Look forward to uh, speaking again next week. Have a good one. There is no better group of plants for flower power than forms of the shrubby potentilla producing single rose like flowers continually from June to the first frost. All are very easy to grow.
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 